Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the Remaster Podcast, hosted by me, your brother Abdullahi Freeman, and we're here joined with a very special guest. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Joshua Salam. How you doing, Doc? Wa alaikum salam. Peace be upon you too, my brother. I'm doing good. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. So just to give you guys a quick quick bio, Dr. Joshua Salam. Dr. Joshua has a, has strong roots in the American Muslim community. He started attending national youth camps youth camps at age 12 and continued as a participant and counselor and speaker for over 30 years. Dr. Joshua entered the U.S. Air Force in 1995 and served as a police officer for four years. He was a key contributor in establishing Friday prayers on base for Muslim military members and went on to serve as an imam in Greensboro, North Carolina for several years. After the military, he immersed himself in community activism. He's managed the Civil Rights Department for the Council of on American Islamic relations from 2000 to 2004, he helped oversee the Baltimore Muslim Community and Neighborhood Development Project. And before starting, and this was before starting at Duke in July 2018, he's worked with families for the last 11 years in one of the largest Muslim communities. He has a diverse background and a unique perspective on many issues. Dr. Joshua, you also are an artist. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah once again. Brothers and sisters, uh, we're here talking about a very unique thing. Um, talking about diverse dimensions of dawah. You mm-hmm. know, it's dawah is a very interesting thing. You know, the last episode we're talking about it, and you know, dawah. For everybody, just to reiterate, dawah is the equivalent of you could say evangelism, right? Just without the fanatics and uh, the the super churches and uh, you know things of that nature, right? But evangelism, just calling people to. Islam, calling people to the religion, right? So, Dr. Joshua, you've been immersed in many different aspects with many different people across many different, I mean, faiths, uh, what's the word, occupations, you know, all these many different things. You know, what are some things you you would like to say just in general in terms of diversity itself Hmm. and dealing with diversity? Uh, dealing with diversity within Dawa, just dealing with diversity out there in, in general, just in general. Um, I think um, you, it's important to change your lens on diversity uh, for you to really deal with it. Other, otherwise, diversity can seem threatening. It can seem like um, uh, you know. Uh, people are taking from what's you, what's yours uh, or people don't belong or, you know, certain things. So uh, reframing diversity from the lens, what I would say from the Quranic perspective is that like Allah has created us different. Uh, the, the way that we worship, the way that we think is intentional from my perspective. So I want everybody to notice that, you know, this is my perspective. I know there's Muslims out there that disagree with me, but it's, it's the intentional design of the earthly life from Allah. And it's, I think it's designed to test us. It's designed to uh, see how we can get along uh, without killing each other. Um, you know, the, the, the question that the angels asked of Allah, even at the beginning of our creation, the angel said, why, why are you creating this creature? He's just going to create, you know, create bloodshed and corruption on earth. And, I mean, that's a whole different story about how the angels knew that. So I'm not going to go there. But Allah's response was, I, I know something that you don't know. I know what you don't know. And so uh, from that, there's a lot of pondering and thinking that I do. Just that um, 
Allah has designed this diversity because within it somehow it causes people to return to him. It causes people to um, to ask, seek his help, seek his guidance. And so I think when you look at, when you try to look at diversity different, it, it, it helps, but it is still a struggle. I'm going to say, I'm not speaking from like some, you know, what do they call it? The, 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 not the podium, but the high, high chair or something. Mm-hmm. Holier yeah. than now. Yeah. It's like some box that you stand on when you start preaching. So I'm, oh, I'm not. Is it soapbox? Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Soapbox. That, that would have been eating me up. I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to speak from a soapbox because I too, um, struggle with diversity all the time, you know, all the time. You said you, you struggle with diversity, Dr. Shot? Like in what ways? Like how do you struggle with diversity? Because if, for instance, it's it's always nice to be around your people, right? Uh, uh-huh. It's always nice to be around your people. And, um, and even within your people, you can start to find that you want to be around people like you, right? Yeah, subsets, uh, yeah, yeah. People that uh, have the same values as you, people that have the, uh, who, who talk like you, maybe p- people who don't curse. When, when I say talk like you, I meant, I meant like that, not like with the same slang or anything, or maybe with the same slang, you know. Uh, people who like to watch the same movies, people who like to go bowling with you, uh, you know, just whether, whether it's within your group or outside of your group, people like to, to, to kind of be around something familiar, Right. And the the amount of patience that it takes from you when you get into a, a, a group, whether it's at work or whether it's, you know, um, on some project where you're dealing with people who are so different that they annoy you. They're so different that they they make you uh, start saying, what's wrong with people? You know, I don't know if anybody's ever said that. But what's wrong with people? Well, what's wrong with people is we're diverse. You know, and and so you you have to start that I have to maybe I should use I statements. I have to start to see that diversity as a test and that diversity as a blessing uh, and kind of run towards it instead of trying to run from it or find some balance in it. Yes, it's good to be around what's familiar, but then sometimes you have to make intentional efforts to be around that which annoys, that which um causes you to grow because there, w- there will be no growth within you spiritually or otherwise if you don't uh, learn how to deal with the other uh, people who are different, think different, act different. Um, and, and it just takes balance, you know? So th- when I say you, I you struggle know, with it, I'm talking about all of that. To, to add to that, you know, Dr. Joshua, something that's very interesting I think about is you said you, once you get used to your people, it makes me think of like, once you're, if every day you were inside of a room that had like polka dots, right? Every day you're in this room, every day, every day, every day, eventually you'll f- not realize that it's polka dots in a room, right? That's right. And it's kind of like the same thing, right? Like when we're around us and our people, we may oversee blind spots that are there. Whereas when we're with a diverse group of people, it's like your eyes open. You're more aware. You're more like, oh, okay, this is like that. Oh, this is like this. Oh, okay. Like it's, it's like you ha- you're forced to be aware. You can't just be in like autopilot mode. And you know, it's very interesting because you bring that up and in connection to like Dawa itself. You know, like, like, it, from what you're explaining, it seems that in the diversity, but also in connection to Dawa as we like transition there, it has to be a level of tolerance. 
I'm guessing, of putting up with people and putting up with, uh, and I'm not saying putting up, but dealing with people, dealing with what they come with. Can you speak to that as to that tolerance, really? What does that look like? What is that? Yeah. And and I want to uh, clarify because, you know, I know when people listen back to this, it's like poetry. People going to walk away with all different type of things of what I was trying to say. I'm not arguing for assimilation. I'm saying mm-hmm. that we, we have to mm-hmm. find balance to help ourselves grow spiritually and otherwise. So I enjoy, I remember one time I, um, for a long time, I was working in the, um, I would say like the, I don't like the term so much because it's not the same as much, but the immigrant, for lack of a better term, the immigrant Muslim community, right? Where mm-hmm. every Friday after Juma, yes, there was food, but it was always like biryani or, you know, maybe it was kebab or, you know, and, and it was good food. It was good food. Like it every Friday. And uh, and the, 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 the khutbah, the, the masjid has a certain layout. The khutbah has a certain style and flavor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went into D.C. after a long time. And I went by Masjid Muhammad, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to Juma, And afterwards, I go downstairs and they had different food. You know, mm-hmm. and they had mm-hmm. the, the macaroni and cheese with the fried fish, and the, and I was just like, ah, man, this feels good. And it was, and it was brothers down there talking in a different way, you know, like, hey, you know, and, and it and it just mm-hmm. it did something to my heart, and I loved it, right? And so, and I and I realized how much I had missed it, right? How much I had been longing for it just because of the work that I've been doing for years, probably like man, probably like 15, 17 years that I had just been like working in, in the in the in the other uh, Muslim community. So I'm I'm just saying that there needs to be balance in one's life so that you 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 get what you need, that's your community, get get in there, help that community, but also when you when you stretch to a different community where the food is different the accent is heavy. You don't understand it. The culture is different. People, people um, wanted me to call them uncle and auntie, right? Because mm-hmm. that in their culture, that's respect. That's what you yeah, call uh-huh. an elder. Yeah. Yep. And I told them, that's not how I grew up. I only call people who, people who are not my actual aunt and uncle have to be so close to my family that they've earned that title. I call you brother so-and-so. That's the way that my culture shows you respect, brother Malcolm. Brother so and so, sister, sister Aisha. These are elderly. They could be 70, 80 years old, but I say mm-hmm. sister so and so, brother so and so. I I don't just throw out uncle and auntie. And so I had this this clash of people feeling offended by me holding to my culture. And and, and uh you know, and I don't know. So so I just wanted to say that that I'm not talking about assimilation. I'm just talking about the the beautiful struggle of trying to um deal with diversity. And now, my brother, I'm I'm afraid you're gonna have to ask your question again because I forgot what it was. <laughs> no, sorry, mashallah. It's about the the tolerance in dealing with that. You know, the tolerance in but that tolerance in I don't use tolerance. Tolerance sounds like you have to put up with something. It's not that we putting up with something. Alhamdulillah, we free, we choosing, we love to be with our brothers and our sisters. In terms of the dawah, I guess the tolerance and the the just what that looks like in terms of being with in in different spaces. And how to be tolerant and still be able to spread this message, right? Because, for example, I remember working in the field of construction, right? Why did I work there? Don't ask me why. I don't know how I end up there. 
It's okay. Happened. We got we got that in common. I was in construction <laughs> for a little bit, so go ahead. Right. So alhamdulillah. Now you know the construction field. This is not to diss anybody that works there, right? I'm talking people on the lower level of the construction field, right? Where I work. It's pretty, it's a different type of culture. It's not my type of culture, right? It's, it has a certain style to it, a certain way they talk, a certain actions they do, right? But as I'm there, as a Muslim, I'm thinking, wow, this is the only time some of these people may have a chance to be with Muslims, right? Or meet a Muslim or talk to a Muslim. So I have to put on, I have to do my best, right? Because it's bigger than me. However, you know, there's some things they did that I couldn't stand. One in particular, and it's not to backbite, it's just the action they did. They really love to smoke cigarettes, right? I can't stand cigarettes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I cannot stand cigarette smoke. I don't want to be around it. Respectfully, if you smoke cigarettes, you're still my brother and sister. Salam alaikum. May Allah grant you tawfiq, right? But this is an action that I had to be around, right? And still try to keep a good image, still try to keep nice with these people and not lambast them for this, you know? So keeping that tolerance, something like that. How are you able to do that in many different facets? Because you have years and years of experience and like, I mean, from the military to the police force to the community itself, subhanAllah, like it's mm-hmm. three layers of just strong personality, anything can happen type of scenarios and places, you know? First of all, I, I like the um, the difficult that you had uh, choosing a word and, and kind of landing on tolerance, knowing that it doesn't quite get across what you're trying to say. Uh, and I've and I've heard people talk about that before, almost making tolerance uh, seem like a bad word. Um, but I wouldn't run from that word so quickly because the alternate people who who really have a problem with that word and, and say like that's not what we're trying to do here. We don't want to just tolerate each other. We're trying to go above that to this next level. But but that's like um, I think that's heavy critique. You know, like to to say like you just you don't want to use the word tolerance because you expect everybody to be better, right? And and move to to some other word. But I I think tolerance is a good entry point. You know, and I want to use your cigarette um, uh, story as as an analogy, not your cigarette story, but the mm-hmm. the cigarette story. Because um, what I would do in that situation is because I I equally hate or dislike the, the smell. <laughs> of cigarettes and, and knowing what secondhand smoke is doing to me. And, you know, so I wouldn't, my, my, what tolerance looks like for me in that situation is I let the people know, Hey, Oh, oh y'all about to smoke cigarette. Okay. I'm gonna go over here. I'll come, I'm either talk to you loud from over there or I'm i I'm gonna come back when you're done. Um, so, it, you know, but I'm doing this in a way of, I'm not really talking about how I feel about it that they just lit it up in front of me without consideration. I'm just setting my terms and I do it. I try to do it in a way where they feel respected, where I can still respect myself. And all the way that you manage that is a part of Dawah, right? It's a part of Dawah. Um, Even, you know, I know some people disagree with this, but, you know, even to the extreme where uh, Moses was commanded by God to go speak to Pharaoh, a man who had already killed generations of, of, of boys, Right. Uh, it got so bad that they had to stop them. They said, OK, let's go every other generation because this is too much. It's too much oppression. Right. His own people. Mm-hmm. He was a tyrant. The worst, some people would say. And yet mm-hmm. Allah commanded Moses, go speak to him gently. You know, mm-hmm. 
he had the power to do whatever. You know, Allah blessed him with the power to do the other, backed him up with his brother. But the commandment was start gently, just in case he wants to believe, right? So um, this this kind of gentle uh, nature that you start with, okay, yeah, we can escalate. You know, Muslim, Muslims, we're not a, uh, we're not a, what do you call it? The slap us on one side and we're going to turn the other cheek. That's not our tradition. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's when you try to slap us, I'm going to give you that block, you know, I might, but if if it connects, I'm I'm connecting back, right? That's that's uh, and and if I decide to um to let it go, okay, that's my decision, but that's not expected of me, right? So, um, it's it's a, uh, I think a beautiful way to kind of practice, and that comes with practice, and I've I've failed plenty of times in my fifty years, um, and I and I'm going to fail some more, but you get better with it as you keep practicing on how to set your boundaries with people. In a, in a respectful way, in a beautiful way. And the very way that you set your boundaries sometimes makes people interested in like, what is this, you know, I'm, what is this guy into? Like, what, what is, why is she saying it like that? Let me, let me, what, what is she, a Muslim? What do they read the Quran? Okay. And they, they start to become interested. Mm-hmm. And, and um, if you, if you come too aggressively with some people, you got to be, you know, a Dawah connoisseur, I guess. Uh, they, they get pushed away because the climate, mm-hmm. And the relationship with religion today isn't so beautiful. You know, religion is seen as a as this massive drug that has failed society and 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 um and people don't want to have anything to do with it. Otherwise, I'm just gonna be involved in these wars and killing people, and that's just they see it as a religious thing, even though it's a people thing. And you know, you can point to just as many situations where people die on secularism or over over land and oil having nothing to do with religion but yes people from who say they're doing it in the name of god have just as you know much blood on their hands but we we got the negative end of the marketing stick right now it's, it's seen as a, a a bad thing so we have to um if if you're interested in dawah you have to kind of think about all of this as you approach and what messes us up i think is that dawah is not so institutionalized in our community and so everybody's out there doing their own thing and sometimes mm-hmm. people do a really bad dawah and we can't we can't like point to people as a community, say, well, that person doesn't represent us. If you wanted to know what Islam was, you should you should be watching this organization. They, they are our official dawah institution. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have that. I don't know if we should have that. But um, I know like uh, Dave Chappelle, you know, when people try to talk to him about his Islam, he goes, you know, yeah, I'm Muslim, <laughs> but I ain't good at it. You know, that's the way he talks yeah, about it. You know. you know? Yeah, right. but he'll admit, like, I'm not trying to be the poster boy of Muslims and Islam out there. So don't look to me as uh, the the example of what a, a good Muslim should be. Um, but not all of us have that platform to just introduce ourselves like that. Like, yeah, I'm Muslim, but don't look this way. Look, look over at Abdullah. You know, no, don't look at Abdullah. Stop. Don't look at Abdullah. <laughs> don't look, at Abdullah. Look, look, look at the difference, like, you know, but. You know, Dr. Josh, that's an interesting point you brought up that made me think, I guess, of the, I guess you could say the inverse of what we're trying to say, but it's the same thing. I guess it's the uncomfortability that comes in particular situations with Dawa, you know, just being uncomfortable in certain mm-hmm. instances, you know, just, ah, I have to do this. Or like, for example, Dave Chappelle in that instance, right? He was uncomfortable of really giving Dawa, but even then he still gave Dawa, right? Mm-hmm. Because- you follow the footsteps, so you can say, I'll be my Malik, right? Like, if you don't know, just say you don't know. Like, hey, this isn't 
mm-hmm. my field of expertise, right? This is not what I do. You, there's many other good people. You check them out, you know? And to speak to that point you brought up, that's a very interesting thing about the DAWA being like standard, not standardized, but like having an official, these are the people who handle DAWA specifically for us. I don't know if it is. I know it's organizations, but somebody please comment below if there is or send us a message or let us know about the organization. But I, that's a very interesting point. I think one thing that's uh, that should be noted that I would love to highly encourage everybody listening here on this podcast, please, is the standard at which I, we as Muslims, the layman Muslims used to be, has significantly dropped over the years, right? Knowing of what we know as layman Muslims. Now, of course, this comes with the- You, you, mean, you mean as far as knowledge? As far as knowledge. Hmm. Yeah, as far as knowledge. Now, of course, don't get me wrong, the, the religion has expanded exponentially, right? And it's going to be a learning curve, right? Because it's Islam, if it's getting to all these corners of the earth, of course, like we may not have as many people to catch up and teach the people to get to certain standards, right? But we as Muslims should always strive to to learn more. So maybe we don't necessarily give da'wah in the sense of we're ustads or sheikhs or ulamas, but we can at least explain the basics to where we can explain this because we aren't confused ourselves, you know? We don't have shubuhat ourselves. And I think that's one thing that would definitely help with the dawah, you know? And that's just something I encourage just for us to to grow and increase, you know? Especially in the, the, the black community, you know what I mean? I always try to emphasize that for brothers and sisters, like, you know, knowledge, you know, try to learn, you know? Or just any community in general, you know? Um, now, you know... Um, <clears throat> Another word that I'm a struggle around is is conspiracy. Okay, I, I don't I don't like the word conspiracy theory because mm-hmm. uh, I think it diminishes uh, what I am. I'm I'm a former private investigator, and I just like to move towards the facts. Right now, if mm-hmm. the facts mm-hmm. if the facts uh, reveal a story that goes against the popular or official story that's not my fault you know Mm -hmm. but don't call me a conspiracy theorist just because i'm following facts and it don't Mm -hmm. it don't uh line up with the official story you should be questioning the official story too if the facts don't line up right so i I, I say that to say that um another layer a challenge with dawa for muslims is that there is a the facts reveal that there is a machine out there that hates Islam and hates Muslims. There's a machine mm-hmm. out there that is that is well-funded, um, that is working hard and, and educating people to the highest levels uh, to blur what Islam and Muslims are and, and to put out a, a, negative, um, a negative picture of us, okay? Mm-hmm. And so... I just wanted to acknowledge that and shed a little light on that. People can research more if they want. But um, so when the, one of the things that allows the the suffering in Palestine and and mm-hmm. and other places in the world is a successful narrative that has been spread worldwide that these people are backwards anyway. These people mm-hmm. only want to kill disbelievers. Anyway, that's what they are. So that when you throw out some lie about all they want to do is wipe us out and kill our children, and, uh, the the innocent bystanders somewhere in, in the world is like, 
yeah, that's that's how Muslims are. You know, I read that, I heard that. I uh, mm-hmm. it sounds believable, right? Mm-hmm. And so that allows uh, people to say, talk out the side of their necks on television, and and people just stand by and watch twenty thousand people get murdered. You know that 100%, that's what allows hundred percent. You know, and so. I think we need to, uh, somebody needs to really think hard about how, when you have 2 billion Muslims, that means about one out of every four people on earth identifies as the Muslim tradition. How are they able to take the actions of a minority, an extreme minority within our community and make that seem like that's what Islam is and not the actions of, of, of the 2 billion, because for sure, I can tell you, if 2 billion people believe that they were supposed to kill um, people who are Muslim, it, 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 the earth, you know, we... It, we wouldn't rest, Dr. Joshua. You're right. The earth would shake. So that should make some people think like, well, wait a minute, if that's what their religion believes... Now, okay, now somebody might say, yeah, well, most of them aren't following their religion. Okay, well, even then you should ask, well, why? And then you, if you dig deeper, you find out because they don't believe that that's what their religion is. So how do you walk away believing what some 0.001% of our community believes? Who was able to allow you to take that interpretation of our faith over this other 2 billion people who are practicing in, in your community, starting charities and feeding the homeless and uh, making sure the children get the best grades, making sure your children get the best grades by establishing tutoring services. And like, mm-hmm. why isn't that the story that you know about our community? Um, and it kind of reveals this machine that's out there that uh, will, will only um, talk about Islam in a negative way. And, and they pay people to keep that machine going. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is an activist podcast, Muslim American Society, so we can talk about the conspiracy theories because they're not theories. It, it, I, I said I'm against that. We they're can talk facts. about facts. <laughs> they're facts, like you said, 100%. You know, it's definitely a machine that's prompting it. And, you know, like you said, when you can legitimize somebody as a threat, when they're murdered, nobody will cry. And the black people can resonate with that. Yeah. yeah. We can resonate with that. Yeah. And I think, subhanAllah, the thing about it, wallahu alam, this might be a stretch, but let me just say, I wonder if this is why you see a lot of the young people, regardless of race, but a lot of the young people, there was an article I seen that talked about, I think Gen Z, I think some millennials, but Gen Z, one of them, that just said, it's not the algorithm. I think TikTok was saying, it's not the algorithm. These youth are just pro-Palestine. Hmm. But I wonder if it's from the other seeds that were planted before, the Trayvon Martins to the George Floyd all of the people in between, you know, that the murders were witnessed and no actions were taken, you know? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is what plays in the youth's mind as well. Like, oh, it's some correlation. Not saying it's like connected, but it's like, oh, this is the same thing that they've been doing here, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same thing they're doing to the people there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you look into the situation of our brothers and sisters in Palestine, you know, may Allah grant them ease and, and the siege that is being laid upon them, they... They everything for them is is measured, it's calculated. The food they get, the water they can get, how, which ways they can go, what they can do. It's like they're controlled every aspect, you know. But mm-hmm. we'll hey. talk more about the fact. And I'll go ahead, Doctor Joshua, because I want to bring it back. Don't to forget the your question. Don't forget your question. I don't want to ruin uh-huh. your train of thought, but I, mm-hmm. I do want to say, <clears throat> I I'm a citizen of a country that demands that I condemn 
Hamas or ISIS or terrorism or the killing of innocent women and children, they demand that I condemn that before I can even speak, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go onto some show and start talking about Islam and Muslims and Palestine without you answering that question first. Mm-hmm. Do you condemn ABC, right? Do you condemn it? I need you to say that. I'm, But I'm living in a country. And, and they ask, they ask this question, how, how can anyone justify killing innocent women and children, right? This, this is a question and it comes so passionately. And yet I, I come from a country who justified killing over a hundred thousand people instantly, innocent people in Japan with two atomic bombs. And they did it in a way where they marketed it as an act of mercy. Allah. They, they marketed it as an act of mercy and said, if we don't kill all these innocent people, okay, they didn't use those terms. I'm paraphrasing for them. <laughs> if we don't kill all these innocent people, over 100,000 of them immediately, so many more people are going to die. So many more people are going to die. So God forgive us, but we got to do it. We got to do it. And to date, to date, it's 2023. It's about to be 2024. We have yet to apologize. Really? No, no, no standing American president has ever apologized for the bombing of Japan. And and yet they can with 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 confidence demand that I condemn the killing of innocent people when we won't condemn ourselves. So there's a sickness here, not a conspiracy theory. It's just a fact. There's a sickness here that the rest of the world sees that the rest of the world sees what we do in Iraq. The rest of the world sees um, th- that's why the rest of the world is looking at this thing in Palestine and say, okay, you you know, the Hamas, their response to the brutal occupation um, might have been too much. It, 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 it killed innocent, a, a thousand innocent people, right? Mm-hmm. Notice how I said that. I, I, I reframed it already. I said the response to the brutal mm-hmm. occupation. See, mm-hmm. These are subtle things that people, they wipe out. Mm-hmm. But now the response to that response of of Israel is watched and said, well, they're, they're defending themselves. You know, they uh, they have a right to defend themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And what they're saying to the world is that, yeah, but Palestine doesn't have a right to defend themselves because we, we've already painted that these guys are evil. They're backwards. They're just trying to wipe us out. They, they say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And that is a statement that means they're trying to wipe out the entire um, Jewish population. Mm-hmm. But they say that while the Palestinian population has been consistently being wiped out for 75 years, they're down to, they're down to, Gaza's almost gone. The world's going to watch it unless Allah intervenes. May Allah intervene and protect the I people mean, of Gaza. I mean. But Gaza, they're, they're, they're pushing them out. And if Gaza's gone, you you don't even really have a West Bank because the West Bank is peppered with Israeli settlers who don't even think that a Palestine even exists. So in the mind of the Jewish people, Palestine has already been wiped off the map, but yet they can get the whole world to say that they're trying to wipe us out. The Palestinians are trying to wipe us out, but I'm, 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 I'm the president of the, I'm a president of a few organizations, but one of them is the association of Muslim chaplains. We couldn't even get our universities to use the word Palestine. Really? Because there's a machine out there that's behind closed doors that's saying Palestine doesn't exist. 
And if you've ever been to Palestine, you've experienced it. If you if you landed in Tel Aviv and then you go into uh, Palestine, people at the airport, they don't say, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Palestine. We're at in Israel. That's like the immediate response. It does, it wow. does not exist. Wow. They've already wiped it off the face of the map in their minds. Uh, and, and while they do that actively, they can point the finger back at the Palestinians and say they're trying to they're trying to wipe us out. No, they're just trying to exist. But somehow their their existence is a resistance. And so you see their very existence that they're still here as as a uh, as as a, a threat to your survival. You know, I remember watching. I'm sorry for rambling, man, but I remember watching this movie. I think it was Harriet Tubman. I forget which one it was. Uh-huh. They They did an excellent job of uh, uh, getting you to sympathize with the slave master, right? Mm-hmm. Because the slaves were trying to run away. I mean, they, they did both sides of the story. Like the slaves were trying to be free. Like I'm out of here, right? They're trying mm-hmm. to be free. Mm-hmm. But the slave masters were like, you're trying to crush our, our family. We'll be, we'll be out homeless. I'll be in debt. And, 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 and they were like ex- trying to explain why they were becoming so brutal. Like, no, I bought you. You know, mm. you are mine. I own you. And, and I can't, how am I going to let you just, I got children to feed. I got, I you know, I got, you know, and, and because they saw them as just property. And, but the people trying to get free see themselves as full human beings, right? So what happens when my freedom is directly to t- tied to your destruction, mm-hmm. right? My freedom is directly tied to your destruction, Okay, well now we well now we have an issue, but people need to know that the Palestinian freedom is directly tied to Israeli destruction. Subhanallah. It's 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 a it's a yeah it's a, it's a problem. That's why they can't seem to solve it because if Palestine is free and they get their own state, then then Israel has an issue. Uh, they they won't define their borders. Um, they they. One state won't work because then it won't be Jewish sovereignty. One state, it means that there's about 50% Palestinian Muslims and Christians and 50% Jewish. Now you're going to have a, you know, this government that's uh, kind of balanced. So for you to have a Jewish state, you have to have the Nakba. You know, yeah. you, you have to push out people. And, you know, th- these are things that people, is, Israeli historians talk about this. Ilan Bape mm-hmm. uh, and others talk about this. So, uh, and, and the African-Americans can relate to that because even today, uh, you know, black success threatens white people. That's why you had, uh, you know, the 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 black uh, Wall Streets, multiple black Wall Streets. Even here in Durham, there was a black Wall Street. So not um, there was a, the the famous one is in Oklahoma, I think, right? Yeah, 19- Tulsa, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, nineteen twenty one. That's Tulsa. the famous one where people rented planes and bombed them. You know. Uh, over one, the incident of one black man with a white woman that created this and they, they wiped out Black Wall Street. But even here in Durham, uh, it's a more sophisticated way where they decided to build a highway right through where? Black Wall Street. And, and my travels in America, you said I've traveled around, and my travels through America, um, you, you, um, uh, you see this happening a lot. You'd be like, oh, it wasn't just in my city? They did that same thing in your city. They they decided to do this construction and it's new under the, the guise of development. It had to go through the Black Wall Street, the most prominent, uh, successful black area in your city. Wow. You know, so so um, and, and I want I want to back up, too, because when I when I say that 
Palestinian freedom is is tied to Israeli destruction, people are going to say well, this guy was on this podcast calling for the destruction of Israel, and you know things will be tied. But I, I want people to understand the message that I'm saying that Israelis see Palestinian freedom as a threat, and so that's why they're fighting hard against it. And how do you solve a, ch- a problem where one person sees your freedom as uh, they can't exist? If you get free, I'm done. You know, I'm, my business is over. That's that's uh, it's it's you a know, tough situation, but people got to see it. Dr. Joshua, I think what it relates to is just a question of why do you feel like that? And it, that's a whole another conversation of going into the nuances and the history of why that particular notion is there. Right. Mm. And, you know, I think to 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 to, to add to your points. Despite all of this, all of what's happened, all of these things that's happened with the Palestinian people, all of what's been going on, you know, the Palestinian people, all of the Muslim, uh, our respected brothers and sisters who have been on these countless shows being asked the same questions about condemning Hamas. Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? October 7th, October 7th, right? And them having to tell people, reiterate, we condemn the loss of any innocent, non-combatant human lives. That's mm-hmm. what we, we, 100%. We don't say they deserve it. But this was not a, 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 a active, this was reactive, right? Mm-hmm. This was a buildup over the years. Either way, with that being said, to bring it back, the amount of dawah that these people have done, especially our Palestinian brothers and sisters, mashallah. Oh my Allah. goodness, yeah. Like it's the, the amount of dawah, just them existing, them with nothing to their names. It's not like they have a million dollars or they even have a place to sleep. You, they don't, you don't even know if you'll be alive in the next second, you know, but the amount of dawah they've given, showing these people the contentment. You know, one video that was supremely beautiful to me that I seen, which was like, this is dawah. Like, and it was even dawah to Muslims in this sense. They showed a wedding that was happening. These people are celebrating a wedding, dancing, music, they dancing, having a great time. And it's like, subhanAllah, and people are still of, getting married. In the, in the of, middle of all this, people are still prioritizing marriage. People are still trying to get married despite airstrikes, despite the nastiest forms of like mm. just assault on innocent human lives we've seen in contemporary history, probably, right? Just live witnessing, right? Like these people, they're, they're still trying to getting married, celebrating, dancing, or you see the, uh, the, countless uh, uh, photographers, videographers who they'll just show insights so you can see in their stories of like the day-to-day of people. It's little things. Children may play with something. Mm -hmm. This may happen. But it's like the world is asking, how are these people still going strong? How are these people still how? And the answer is Islam, you know? And that's why we've seen a lot of people, a wave of a lot of people uh, joining the religion, you know, some prominent people, you know, um, because they see this, right? It's it's something to ponder upon. If you're somebody who, I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't made your heart like a rock, right? If you're not blind, right? If you have that basira to really see like, okay, what is it that has these people doing X, Y, Z, right? And even with the responses of our Muslim brothers and sisters on these shows, right? Like, like, like you said, they, they get asked the same question, but the compose, the resolve, and then the answer, right? Because, you know, one thing that somebody said that was really beautiful, they said the truth is like a lion. Once you let it go, you don't have to defend it, mm. right? Once it's free, it will defend itself, right? 
And you see the falsehood that these people, they try to lay upon. They come with these countless stories. They come with it. They come with it. But any sound, sensible person, once they put the argument of Palestine and what's happening to the people against any of the counter narratives, it's like, why are we even having this discussion? The discussion can't really go past a certain length. You know what I mean? Piers Morgan, uh, shout out to you, because I don't know how you keep forcing yourself to keep getting lambasted and bashed on your own show, but I guess it helps you for ratings, right? So shout out to you. But <laughs> it's just, you know, Dr. Joshua, but this dawah is is many different, many different forms. So would you say, Dr. Joshua, that having this remembrance, this taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is this key to this dawah? Because it always gives you that resolve. Hmm. Yeah, Allah Allah uses Allah uses the right person at the right time. And and sometimes we don't always see um we don't always see the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For us, hindsight is is how we see properly. Allah sees differently. Allah's the best of seers, right? Mm-hmm. He's the best of hearers, the best of seers, the best of planners. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um like there's there's an African American brother that um, teaches uh at, at UNC, or maybe he teaches at Harvard and he comes down here sometimes. I think that's what it is. I don't know. But, um, man, he's always so well-dressed. Mashallah. I, I always feel like uh, I need to go back and buy some clothes. Not even go back home and change because I don't have the clothes. I'd have to go buy some clothes and just kind of hang out with him. And I, so I made a joke. I was like, man, you are always, like, on point dress. He said, brother, that's good dower. I said, oh, okay. I said, well... I guess I'm messing it up for us. <laughs> but uh, but so when you think about like the nation of Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. One of the reasons that I think they were so successful at Dawah was they they had this image. Anytime you as a as a black person, when you would think about the nation of Islam from top to bottom, you saw clean cut, respectable, articulate, brave. They would stand up to the to the man. I, I had some of my um, my uncles tell me we didn't join the nation of Islam because of the theology. Imagine that. Imagine that wow. for Dawah. We didn't join because of the theology. We joined because they were the only ones standing up to the man. Right? Wow. Only ones standing up to the man. And and so it's like, oh, okay. So yeah, because we we out here so oppressed, and all the other leaders that we see are just, you know, talking some other type of um solution that hasn't seemed to work. And so um, I'm tired of uh, I'm tired of people getting lynched. I'm tired of walking in fear uh, with, with, you know, when I'm going down in my own neighborhood, uh, I want to get with that. And they look good and they articulate and they seem strong. Right. That's all part of Dawah, you know, um, and, and, and the prophet did it all. Some people, um, you know, when Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, when he came to the path, he came with some strength, mm-hmm. you know. Bef- before him, people were praying in secret. The prophet was praying in secret with his companions. Umar came and was like, forget that. I'm going over here. And and he announced it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I'm going over here to pray. And if anybody wants to be a widow, you can you can come and, you know, have mm-hmm. issues with me. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what he came with. And so people was like, oh, oh, it's like that? That's how we roll it now? You know, so it, it, it does something, especially to people who have been oppressed, um, those dynamics of Dawah. And we have to be mindful of that in the Muslim community, because 
I hope some people can see some connecting points between this story that I just told and what's happening in, in Palestine, right? If, if the world, and it's a testimony to America, it's a testimony to the Muslim world, if you don't solve, if you don't come in and stop this, right? You force people to just survive, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody, you, you can't just stand by and watch um, uh, domestic violence for so long. You can't watch this young boy get sexually abused um, by, by his father or parents mm-hmm. and for years and, and, and neglect and all of that. And then be surprised when he does something violent to them or to somebody else. People are going to be like, I, I, I saw this coming. Then the, te- the, the, the thing is on you. Somebody's going to say, well, why didn't you do anything? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I didn't want to get in their business. You know, oh, well, he's, a, he's, a ups- he's an imam. You know, he's an upset individual. I didn't want to ruin his reputation. Okay, all right. You, you have your excuses, but you knew it. You saw it and you let it happen. That's, for me, that's the Palestinian issue. The world is standing by for 75 years watching this brutal occupation. You watch it and you, and you make your excuses. Well, you know, that's for America. We say, well, that's our boy. That's, that's Israel. You know, we, we down forever. That's, that's you know, we, we, uh, what, what we going to do, but everybody else has their excuses. So what are you, what are you doing? Why, why do you get surprised when uh, there's some, the, the pressure releases and, and something happens? Who do you, who do you blame in that situation? The, the world that watched as this abuse happened, this is abuse, man. I don't know if, if anybody's ever been there, um, but it's it's abuse. And I don't, I don't want to take the whole conversation towards Israel and Palestine because we're here to talk about that one. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking but it's about definitely it. an important point, though. It's definitely it's an important point. It's yeah. supremely relevant. No, so, you, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's an aspect to it of uh, one who um, one who sees that. I, I, I guarantee you, if the let's let me just pick a off. If the Mormons... Right. If the Mormon community rolls up with with the because they are extremely organized, by the way. Right. If the Mormon community rolls up and said, we as a Mormon community, we're tired. of We've stood by and watched this for 75 years. We are going to fix this. You know, uh, uh, Palestine has not had a major backing while uh, Israel has had America. So we're getting uh, Palestine to have this huge country with all these resources. Now they got a boy. Now they got, you know, now we can do proper negotiations and they were able to fix it. Mm-hmm. That would be extreme dower for the Mormon community. People oh, would be yeah. like, oh, well, let me let me look into Mormonism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they right. just did such and such. They solved this issue yeah. that hadn't been solved for, for all these years. What's up with more? What gave them the strength to do that? What, what, especially I heard some of the talks they kept on saying, as it says in the Book of Mormon, we do this. That's what Dawa is. You got to solve real issues going on in, in society, right? Mm. And, and, and people, and you got to do it with grace and you got to do it with a, a certain amount of, um, uh, 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 I don't know, respect and autonomy. And then people say, wow, I'm interested in that. I want some of that, right? It's not all mm-hmm. just, um, it's not all just, oh, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Some of it is, oh, this, this guy just came to Medina and and fixed our fighting. You know, we was mm-hmm. fighting for years and who's this Muhammad guy? He came to Medina. Okay, well, what's he into? You know, mm-hmm. I want I want I want to roll with him, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh a lot of the things that happened the, the the trade, 
that uh, some say that's how Islam spread to Indonesia. It was just like, oh, these people are generous. They're good business people. Why are they good business people? Oh, it's something in their book. Well, let me look into that. You know? Dr. Joshua, that point you brought up is, I think, the the creme de la creme, as they'll say in French, right? Like, that's it. Like, Dawa has to be helping. One, one Like, not Dawa has to be, but one of the best forms of Dawa is seeing right. how you can bring practical application to fixing, helping people solve their problems. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, because if you think of the, the mission of the Prophet, right? Fixing the character of the people, which helps real world problems, right? And then he's Rahmatul Alameen, right? Like a mercy to mankind. Like him, just who he is, his being, what he brought, everything is a mercy to mankind, right? And thinking about, if we go back to the examples you gave, like with the nation, the nation was taking drunks, drug addicts, and making them into respectable, credible, well spoken transformation. Amazing, Amazing transformation, transformation, right? If you think about, the um uh, 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 what's the last example you was just talking about Allah Allah no oh about when the Prophet sallallahu went to Medina right mm-hmm. the people he came he brought solutions to their real practical issues in, in as a whole he was preaching something that appealed to what the under the oppressed of the society right it was made a, a constitution made a constitution that all of them could get down with all of them could get down with came with real solutions to their problems. And then people say, what? Who is this guy? It makes me think of that story of the Prophet wasallam, where it was a lady who was carrying, I don't know if it's logs, but she was carrying something. And he came, he helped her. So then she started telling him about how, oh, you're such a nice young man. You should stay away from this guy. There's this bad guy. His name is Muhammad. Don't listen to this guy. He's saying all this stuff causing trouble here. So he helped him. When he carried it at the end, then she said, what's your name? He said, I'm Muhammad. I'm that guy. Right. And it, right there, she instantly, she took Shahada, right? Mm-hmm. If that's, if I'm not mistaken, she took Shahada instantly. It's like, subhanAllah, like, this young man is helping me, listening to me, serving me, no complaints. And then I'm dis- discrediting his name. He easily could have threw it at her and say, hey, catch, that's your problem. Walk away, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not what he did. But mm-hmm. just that real world application of helping find solutions to people's problems is like you said if the mormon church did that everybody be looking at islam you know and you know one good thing i was thinking about if muslims we started this initiative right you know people are doing the boycotts alhamdulillah you know like that's that that, it's some type of effort you know um one thing i wish we would do in addition to that is figuring out what's the problem we could solve so for example if muslims said we're gonna combine with Mothers against alcohol, alcoholism, right? For example, let's just use that example or anything against gun violence, something. And we work together with the local community here really to help curb an issue, right? Really reduce it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the impact that could have for Muslims, the dawah that could have for Muslims, subhanAllah, we don't know what that could lead to, mm-hmm. right? Just by doing that one thing, you know? But... How you think we got away from that, Dr. Joshua? Like, because that's our roots. It came from our Prophet. This is what he did for 23 years, right? It's no, oh, he maybe did it once or twice. No, the full 23 years, this is what he did. Mm-hmm. How did we get away from that? Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> I do know um, something that I witnessed in my uh, growth as a uh, African-American Muslim in, in America was because in, in, in uh, my early years, we were in Kansas City, Missouri, that had, and, and 
we primarily were with the Warthadi Muhammad community, right? Mm -hmm. And then we started going to another masjid that was, you know, like majority uh, people who were immigrating from other countries. Mm -hmm. And I think at that time, the, the, the clear difference was like, oh, they recite the Quran better, you know, oh, mm -hmm. they, they, um, they, they really uh, have, uh, um, you know, more knowledge of hadith and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and there was a certain amount of maybe unspoken authority or people felt like they had this unspoken authority that we're from a Muslim country and 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 we we know this book better we know this dean better and you guys don't even you know, you're struggling to even say surah al-fatiha right right and so this is where the um uh I, and i know i'm i apologize if i'm getting like into some sensitive areas but i'm just talking about my experience this is what i saw and I and I heard it, and I'm I'm taking different conversations and filtering it and putting it into this conversation. This, Dr. Joshua, this is the Remaster Podcast. We keep it authentic, so please. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and and so there was there was this um, painting of like well, we have the we have the authentic uh, mm -hmm. tradition, mm -hmm. and the the leadership of Imam Wadhafi Muhammad was almost like. Um, they, they didn't respect it. In fact, they kind of blasted it in, in many situations. And we missed, a one, we missed such a wonderful opportunity to see Ansar and Muhajirin on a grand scale. Mm. We missed it. And, and, um, and, and I don't know if we can get back to it. Because with, when, the, when the Muhajirin from Mecca came to Medina with the Ansar, the Prophet made it an intentional community development uh, plan to pair people up. Okay, hey, this is this is your brother. I want you to treat him like this, your brother. Hey, uh, y'all come over here. Yeah, hey, y'all brothers, y'all family. And he's pair pairing them up from the Meccans and the Medina people, who, by the way, had different cultures. Uh, uh, I was taught that like the women of Mecca thought the women of Medina were inappropriate. Because they were out there with their husbands working in, in, the, in the fields and things like that. And they were more like in the house, right? And they were like, what's up with these? Women? Same thing happens in our community. Like, what's up with these uh, the, the, the black Muslims? They, 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 they do Juma like this. They, they do, like, there's a little, there's a little tension with it. Man, we come in full circle to diversity, right? Like what we started with, it was a little discomfort. There was a little lack of tolerance and lack of understanding and not seeing the beauty in it. Right. Uh, even in the revelation of our Quran, I would say that any any Muslim that you go to will even see diversity in the revelation of the Quran. And there was some intolerance with that, too. Like, hey, man, who taught you how to read the Quran like that? Prophet did. No, he didn't. Grab him out of the chest. Come here. Right. You ain't going to mess up the word of Allah. Go back to the prophet. The prophet's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was revealed like that. It was revealed like this. Like, really? Even with the even with the word of Allah, there's this diversity that I got to tolerate and I got to be. Uh, and 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 the imam that I used to have in um, Virginia, his name was Imam Majid. He's from Sudan, and he had memorized the Quran in Warsh and in Hafs, right? So so he could re recite anything. But his 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 default was Warsh, right? So sometimes most of be, Africa is Warsh. Most of Africa recites in Warsh. Most of Africa is Warsh. Mm -hmm. Most okay. of Africa recites in Warsh. Yeah. So he's he's reciting, and man, he keeps getting corrected. People just 
correcting them. Uh, correct I've them. seen this. It's talking about, yeah, I've seen this. Have I seen this? But I know what you're talking about. Right. Somebody's leading. They recite different kira'at. Yeah, huh? uh -huh. yeah. So he keeps getting corrected. And, and then so he's like, okay. It's almost like the story of Musa and Khivr. He's like, they they don't have the patience. How, how can you be patient with something you don't have any knowledge of? The mm -hmm. people who are listening to me don't know Warsh, right? Mm -hmm. So they can't be patient with me. So all right, I'm going to switch it to Hafs, right, mm -hmm. for for you. Um, so this, uh, yeah, this this uh, diversity is is directly connected to to Dawa. The Dawa is directly connected to. Um, there's different ways to do Dawa. So yes, you can do Dawa by sitting some, somebody down and talking to them about the miracles in the Quran and the 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 beautiful logic and guidance in the Quran and the the beautiful character of Rasulullah. And then some people. It's just because you dress well and you and you the most honest person that they know. You're not saying you ain't said nothing to them about the book. You ain't said nothing to them about nothing other than dressing well and being honest. You know, so people just got to know, like, who are you? You know, don't try to use the same technique everywhere you go. Some people, you know, I'm, I can tell you, I'm not gifted at giving dawah to people who are really rough, you know, from the mm -hmm. streets who like curse every other word and mm -hmm. got this type of um uh um like culture that is like they talk about raunchy stuff like it's like it's just lemonade and and mm -hmm. ain't no thing it's like it makes me uncomfortable you know i, I try to be cool and change <laughs> stuff but it's like you can see you can see the discomfort i'm like somebody else is better fit for that it's not like the it's not that the person is bad they're not bad they are who they are but I'm not the best person to meet them where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. And so some of it has to be like people think like, oh, I'm going to go give da'wah here. I'm going to give da'wah there. The, the sunnah of Allah is, uh, in my opinion, I don't, I don't like to speak in like, oh, matter of factly. Most of this is my opinions, oh, listeners who are listening. These are all my opinions. Mm -hmm. But the sunnah of Allah, as I understand it, is that he sends a messenger to people from among themselves. There's, mm -hmm. there's a wisdom in that. Somebody who can relate to them. If we were all angels, he would have sent us an angel. But we're human, so he sent us humans, and he sent us a human from our tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody who knows our situation, knows you know the wars that we've been in, knows uh, why you know why we do this or why we do that, mm -hmm. and can mm -hmm. and can slowly move. You know, the Quran came over twenty three years; it wasn't an overnight thing. Um, so I think there's still some wisdom there of like who should. And, and then the Prophet sent a particular person. I think it was Muad or somebody's like. I want you to go mm -hmm. give dawah over there, like handpicked mm -hmm. people, right? You're going to be good, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're not, I don't think we're doing that. I don't think it's just people stepping up like, hey, you know, I want to do dawah. Okay, well, we didn't have anybody else step up, so go ahead. No, it's like. <laughs> yeah, leadership is just like, oh, you, you, you ready this week? All right, well. <laughs> right. Hey, that's what, that's what anybody, we do because yeah. we don't have the resources or we have the resources, but we haven't utilized them well to, to change from that. But, yes, yeah, the person who raised – I can't tell you how many times that I've been the guy because I was the only one that raised my hand. Not because I was – you know, I thought I was going to be helping. And then you turn out to be the one who's doing it all. It's like, oh, dang. I yeah, the organization in our efforts definitely needs to be cleaned up, you know, and that's just me being nice about it. Sure. But it has to definitely be revamped 100%. Yeah. Um, across like the whole, especially here in the West, right? Now, of course, don't get me wrong. If it's some places that are doing this, specialize and they're good at this, please come reveal yourselves and let us learn from you. 
right? We don't, you know what I mean? We all just want to get better. We want to spread this theme. But, you know, it just, it, it, it's very interesting to see the full circle, right, of how we came back to, like, diversity, right, mm-hmm. of and its connection to Dawa, you know, the many different aspects. Now, Dr. Joshua, I do want to tap on really quickly about different forms of Dawa, but in particular, right, Dawa and art a little bit, you know, and Dawa and music, because you have a background in music, you know, mm-hmm. just to speak about that briefly, you know. So, you know, like you said, many different people can be drawn to Islam, right? Islam is a very big, it's, it's so many different aspects to this deen, right? And Dr. Joshua, as I'm understanding, you're somebody who is a student of knowledge, you're studying, you're increasing yourself. And you, has there ever been a moment you probably just stood and you're just like, subhanAllah, like all the stuff you have to learn, you could learn. It's like, I'll never finish all of this, right? Because it's just so much stuff a part of this deen, right? But like, it's always, it's some things, like you said, somebody may see a brother who uh, they dress very nice or they like a way a sister wears her, I buy another woman. She's like, oh, I like the, I like this color. Uh, who, who are you? What's your name? Oh, what do you do? Oh, okay. I want to be friends with you. And then they become Muslim over the years. Mm-hmm. I know that one thing randomly, this is a random, interesting personal antidote that helped me really stay with the Dean and re- really get more involved again was learning about uh, 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 like learning about the end times, you know, because it just showed correlation and answers to what was happening in society, right? Now, of course, everything we say, well, because Allah knows best, right? We don't know anything. But you've seen a lot of like, oh, that makes sense. Now, this is around the time I was in high school and the big Illuminati thing was going around. People were learning about Illuminati and all of that stuff, that conspiracy theory stuff, right? But it was something like, subhanAllah, like I found an aspect of Islam that talked about something that was relevant in society or connected. And I was learning about it, but I was learning Islam. And it just helped it helped me stay in the deen fold, right? During those times, I wasn't the most practicing of Muslim, right? So, you know, that's just one form. But you have art forms, right? People love poetry. People love movies. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's a whole generation of uh, uh, people around the world who... They may not know anything about anything, but they know who Michael Jackson is. They may not know anything about anything, but they know who Muhammad Ali is. They may not know anything about anything, but they know who Shaquille O'Neal is. These certain characters, these 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 individuals who do performative arts or just art itself, right? Now, what I want to talk about is what are some like how can we as Muslims better use art as a medium of dawah? And then after that, I guess we'll talk about the the music component that you have a background in, inshallah. Mm. How can we better use art as a as a medium for dawah? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is the diverse opinion about that before you can even move forward. Like, not all Muslims believe that uh, art is is halal. You know, whether it's drawing. Mm-hmm. Or whether it's music, very good. Um, that that while one engages in it and says that I'm doing good, and I'm and I'm giving dawa, the other people will say, no, you're you're sinning, and you seem to be falling into this verse that says there will be people who say that they're doing good, but they're actually spreading corruption. Mm-hmm. And so you know you gotta uh, you gotta kind of at least. Um, acknowledge that 
there's disagreement there. There's diversity there before you even get started. And I and I just want to make sure that people feel heard if, if they're on either side of that conversation. But since I am an artist and I have lived through that of, mm-hmm. you know, um, people pointing out hadith that says that what I'm doing is a sin and and the fact that I keep doing it is a sign of my lack of iman and my ignoring, you know, what's what's there in front of me. And you got to you got to deal with that. Well, I had to deal with that. Some people don't have to deal with that, depending on what community you're in. But I was in a community where um, that was a big thing. I had, we had people walk out of our shows, you know, um, uh, you know, people say, oh, Native Dean is up now. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We out of here because they're not a cappella and they use drums that are, you know, unapproved and, and what have you. Now, at the same time, this music um, had, we have real stories, so many stories of we'll, we'll go to a city that we've never been to before. We'll go to a country that we've never been to before. And somebody walks up to us and says, your music helped keep me Muslim. You know, your, your song got me out of depression. Your, your, that other song helped me reconnect with my son who I, who I hadn't spoken to in, in you know, four years. Like so many stories, man, that, and it's those stories that for us balanced it out. It was like, okay, um, uh, I'm going to go with this other, I'm going to go with this other ayah that says in alcohol and gambling, there's some good, but the bad outweighs the good. So avoid it. It, mm-hmm. it, it gives us a general uh, rule on how to deal with stuff that's not 100% good or 100% bad. Okay, mm-hmm. you, you evaluate it and you say, is what I'm doing overwhelmingly better mm-hmm. than the bad that's associated with it? And if, if, if it's uh, overwhelmingly better, for me, that's a rule that, okay. It, especially, I'm not talking about like, oh, um, I was worshiping this idol and you know, I'm not talking about something. Yeah, something that's clearly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Although people will say, "Well, this is just as clear," but I, I, I would disagree with them. I don't think this but is just as clear. Just to interject really quick, from the scholars I've talked to and the studies I've done, music, of course, is an issue of ikhtilaf, right? It's difference of opinion. It's not a solid, hundred percent ijma like khinzir or hamar. You know, what I mean, like pork or alcohol. That it's like, all right, hundred percent, right? Like mm-hmm. I've heard all the di- all the the hadith about music a daif, right? Mm-hmm. I heard there's no strong hadith about it. Now that's not to say that I'm saying music is halal, right? Because you have some scholars who say it's haram, right? Some of the early scholars. You got some who, from the early scholars who say music is halal. You got some say it's dependent. But to to it makes me think of that hadith of uh, that Omar radiallahu anhu uh, related about the intention, right? Every action is rewarded by its intention, you know. Mm-hmm. I hope I didn't butcher that. You know, what I mean, sometimes I feel like I butcher it, but no, I got you. you know, it, it makes me think of that. You know, how did you guys come to that conclusion? You know, how did you guys jump to that factor? Was that uh, all that context there for you guys when you guys made that decision to still continue, or how was that? Well, I think one of our blessings is that we were a group. We weren't individuals struggling mm-hmm. with this thing. And so sometimes when in interviews, when young people say, what would you recommend somebody going into the music industry? I, my, my, we all answer differently, but my answer is don't do it alone. You know, mm. don't do it alone. Do this, do this with a, with a group, you know, have a, have an entourage of people that will hold you accountable 
because mm-hmm. it, 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 but I would say the same thing about uh, uh, becoming an imam or some type of political leader, right? So I don't want people to think like, oh yeah, well, if, if you're going to say that, why should somebody even go into it? There's certain things that you can get lost in. Politics is one of them, right? I, I've heard imams personally tell me never become an imam. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle, especially when people mm-hmm. start to elevate you. Right. Mm-hmm. As a man, like, oh, a man, so and so is here. Everywhere you go, they want to give you free food. They want to give you free drinks. You, 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 mm-hmm. you, um, you get special privilege. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 they put you up so high that it, you fall hard. You fall hard. And so you, you, um, so it, it's best to surround yourself with people that will never see you as imam such as They'd be like, you know, Abdullah, man, sh- shut up. You know, what you talking about, right? You know, you ain't supposed to. And it's people that still got to be like that with you for you to kind of stay grounded. Uh, so, so I'm, but I'm saying that with music, like, don't do it alone. It's, it, it's when you get, if you're good and we, we were average, like Native Dean, I, went, I don't think we were like, we would never win America's Got Talent or something like that, right? You know, we had, we had good music, you know, it was good mm-hmm. lyrics, alhamdulillah, people appreciated it. But the better you are, the more the crowd is like, oh my God, guess who's in town? They're performing. Oh my God. They're like, they, 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 they just, they're just so in awe of you. Well, that, that can be unhealthy for you. You know, if that happens night after night, if that happens month after month, uh, unless you're surrounded by somebody that's like, Hey man, okay, we're done. Stop, stop it. Go, mm-hmm. you know, it's time to go quit, quit. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they talk to you as if you're nothing because you ain't really nothing. And mm-hmm. you know, somebody to kind of remind you that. So yeah, don't do it alone. And so I think we had that that group atmosphere, those group dynamics that we always held each other accountable. We always kept each other grounded and we would talk about things and and feel secure. We felt secure enough from our own collective knowledge of this dean. Uh, you know, alhamdulillah, all of our parents are students of knowledge as well. They We have strong mothers uh, and 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 um, and one of us had a strong father who uh, who raised us well. You know, the other two, we kind of came from single single mother uh, houses, households, but uh, don't want to give shout outs to Abdul Malik and his father who recently passed away not too long ago, uh, Mario, who, you know, raised raised him as well with his mother. So we, we had a strong, had a strong grounding that allowed us to be secure enough in our pursuit of music to, um, uh, it, initially, it wasn't to spread Islam or to, to it ended up doing that. For us, it was just like art is a it's, it's an extension of your soul, man. I mean, like mm-hmm. uh, some people start doodling and, and then they find out that they're good artists. They didn't like, no. oh, like, I want to be a draw. We, you know, I just started singing and rapping and people were like, oh, dad, I was pretty good. You know, it's OK. So I was I was pretty good at it. And mm-hmm. because I'm raised Muslim, what's coming out of me is... Mm-hmm. The Quran, the Prophet, you know, being good to your parents, you know, all this. If I was raised in a rougher area, you mm-hmm. might have something else might have came out of me, you know. So that was just our, our situation. Yeah, so, I, you know, because this is this is a whole another podcast. Which <laughs> now, I always say this every podcast. <laughs> part two. Yeah, I got. We gotta bring you back for part two. I know the people are tired of hearing me say that, but I like I like all the guests we've had. Mashallah, you know, Mashallah, man, I reward you guys all. So I guess really briefly, you know, I remember, I think it was, was it Mufti Mank? I think it was Mufti Mank, but it was, 
either way, him or another imam um, that is here locally, I think they said the same thing. They spoke about, you know, somebody asked them about music and they said that, you know, that we need a halal alternative because the level of influence music has in this society is tremendous. As you know, as somebody who's done music and you see from the industry, music is a multi-billion, like even though it may be a multi-billion dollar industry, the influence it has might be greater than a billion dollars, right? Music is just very impactful, right? Media, arts, films, all of that. But we just, we're just going to talk about music. As somebody who actually is a film major, right? Like the most important aspect of a film actually is the sound, right? Like your sound is very important when you do films, right? That's just the mm-hmm. thing I learned. So sound is very important, right? The, the Right here, Musaf, right? Quran, right? Like it's a recitation. It's audio, right? It's not something, of course, the Musaf makes a visual, but it didn't come down visual. It was an audio, right? The recitation. So briefly, if you could speak to like the current state of music today and how like, how what like is there a need for more islamic centered music Mm. so i i would i would start by defining two terms islamic and music you know um if you look up the definition of music it it applies to things that muslims don't want to associate it with including the quran you know i remember watching this um uh, interview with Shanae, I think her name is Shanae O'Connor or something like that, this famous singer who had... Uh, she just passed away. Like, yeah, she um, just passed away. Shadid O'Connor. She's the one who burnt the Pope's, or had the Pope's picture after she did the SNL. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she pulled out the Pope's picture when she was talking about abuse, but she converted to Islam before she passed away. Uh, yeah, 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 no, and, and she did many interviews in, 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 in hijab, in the khimar. And one of the things that she said, she said that the the she was just fascinated with how the Quran was an oral tradition, mm-hmm. you know, and that uh, and that she goes, I know people don't like to say it's music, and so she, she she I think she had already kind of that had been beaten out of her, so she said recitation, but it fits the definition of music. Like you know, when somebody recites Quran, well, any any good re- Quran reciter is because they hit the right notes. Yeah. Because he, right Makamat, yeah, all those things. It's yeah. all audio. Yep. Is and 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 you can hear it with your ear, like ah, this guy's not so good because that was off. Mm-hmm. Like e- people don't even know music, and they'd be like, eh, just he, he it don't sound right. Or mm-hmm. or when the community goes, I mean, like you got to hit the ad mean right, right? <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> you right. <laughs> Because yeah. if 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 you got a guy next to you or a woman next to you that's saying it off key, it it messes up your prayer, right? It's like ah, why can't they hear it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe it's just me, but I'd be like ah, that's you on the wrong note for the amin, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 a certain amount of musical notes that make the Quran beautiful, or or being familiar with it, or the ear being familiar with it, which means that the heart is familiar with it. So. Mm-hmm. So defining music is a key, and then find, defining Islamic. I don't see Islamic as Quran and 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 Hadith, faqat, and that's that's it. Only only Quran and Hadith. I, I see Islam as this worldwide understanding of seeking the divine, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and there's so many ways that you can, you can do that. I can hear a good song, and if it makes me feel good and makes me want to be better, for me, that's Islamic. You know, somebody else might be like, oh, you would just listen to a country song. Oh, you would just listen to such. I'm like, no, that, that song did it for me. You know, mm-hmm. and and not only the song, the way that they sang it, you know, the 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 notes that they hit, the passion that they put into their voice, that's what did it for me. It, it resonated with me, and so, um, uh, one, one, right now, one of my best Quran reciters is a is a brother who passed away, a Sudanese guy, who, who Imam, his name is Sheikh Nurain. Ah, Allah Yes, yes, very good. I think he recited in Duri, right? Or was Maybe. It Susi? I don't know. He's very good though, mashallah. I don't know. But the way that he recites, man, I just, I just like, he's, he's talking past my ears. It's going, and I don't even know what he's saying, right? Because I'm, I'm not to the point now where, where I'm fully fluent in Quranic Arabic. You know, Mm -hmm. some of the words resonate with me, but I don't have to know it. I know that he's, 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 he's recited from the word of God, but the way that he's doing that, oh man. You know, mm-hmm. so so for me, you got to define all of that when when you want to talk about music and and Islamic and and things like that because it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to look a certain way. You know, it can it can look mm-hmm. many ways. You know, it, it's beautiful that you said it because it reminds me of that hadith again about intention. You know, if your intention is for it to be good and pleasing, it doesn't have to be that it's uh, 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 you say it's Islamic initially right mm-hmm. but you just make it perhaps but it, ha- it resonates because it has those elements you know it's it's subhanallah you know it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting to uh think about um and art itself you know i definitely you know i was just talking to my chef about this you know and he said you know one thing that we as muslims we didn't do because you know uh, certain ideologies about you know just the over haraming of things right it closed us off to a lot of realities and a lot of things and advancements, you know, a lot of things Muslims we don't, we haven't engaged in or done because of this like fear factor, right? And like it's it's pigeonholed us. We haven't like advanced in certain aspects, right? Of yeah. course we have some, but I mean like as a community holistically, right? And mm-hmm. arts is definitely a space, right? Because the richness in which Islam has, like the depth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains to us that of our creation, how deep we go, seeing how deep the Prophet wasallam goes, how deep that relation goes. We can share that beauty and that resonance with the world. And so many people may just attach on to that because it just speaks to the fitra of them, you know, so many people. But, you know, that's just something for another day we can tap on. You know, Dr. Joshua, real quick, uh, to everybody listening, please donate to Mercy Without Limits. We, you know, like I said before, 50, over 50% of Gaza's population are children, you know, or close to that. We aren't funding a war. We're saving children. Please donate today to Mercy Without Limits. Also, American Muslims for uh, Palestine, please donate to help them out as well. And any Muslim cause or any cause locally, internationally, please donate. Fisa Billah. Collect your reward. Help your brothers and sisters out. You never know when you may be in that position. May Allah protect us all. You know, Dr. Joshua, just to you know, give the summarizing points, um, it shows that diversity, like it says in, uh, I believe, Surah Hujrat, right? Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us so that we would come to know of one another and appreciate one another 
And these appreciations will make us appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more, glorify him more because he created all of us. You know, I remember one time I was standing in the airport and I said, subhanAllah, I felt like, you know, they have this video game called Sims, right? And I felt like I was a Sim and I'm looking at all the other Sims and I'm like, man, somebody created all of us. Like this dude, look at this dude, how he is. Look at this lady over here, how she is. Like we're all different. It's all like where do we come from? And everybody has their own personality. People are traveling to different places. They have their own lives. And I only know minds and I can't even see my face, you know? Mm -hmm. So diversity is something that is, is, is a part of the experience that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with. And then dawah itself, dawah necessarily isn't always being in a comfortable position and being able to say what you want to say. Sometimes it's not saying what you want to say, not doing what you want to do, Right. To restrain yourself so that people see that, oh, okay, this is this this Islam thing. What what makes you restrain yourself? I, I I think, you know, people can tell sometimes when they done made you upset. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. uh, hold on, what what is it that keeps you with this resolve? Oh, it's mm-hmm. Islam. What's this Islam thing? And maybe they come to the dean because of that, or maybe it's something little that people see and it appeals to their hearts that makes them come to the dean. The smallest of things, you know, these are all things that we have to keep in mind with Dawah. And also the practical application of what this dawah can do for people, what it can give to people, how it can help solve real world solutions. You know, there's this career called UX designers talking about solving problems, right? Every Muslim should have a UX toolkit, right? How can we solve problems, help people with their solving their problems, right? As a community or individually, right? And, you know, may Allah make it easy for us, you know, but definitely seeing from the seerah of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, till now that. That's what happened. That's what he did. He came with real life solutions to problems people had. And it spoke to them, right? Because it's not necessarily him. I mean, it's him that's solving the problem. But what is it that you believe that made you come and want to solve my problem, right? What is it that made you take time out of your life, all the things that you may have going on, all the troubles you may be suffering to say, you know what? I want to come and help you and make your life an easier time. What is this thing? Islam? I accept Islam. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, right? And just keeping that in mind. And it, realizing that it's all connected again, right? Because it's going to be diversity in the da'wah, right? You will be dealing with different places. You may be places that you're comfortable. You may be places you're uncomfortable. But realizing that all of this is for your Lord, right? And for his reward and for his pleasure. And that should be something that can help keep you on the path. It's not going to be easy. Like Dr. Joshua beautifully said, I failed and I'll fail many more times. But inshallah, I'll keep making that effort. If you keep making that effort enough, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant you tawfiq to solve your uh, situation. And, you know, to bring it to the art form that we touched on briefly, art is an extension of oneself, right? And if you're somebody who has an art, you have a gift, something that you're passionate about, something that you do very well, that's an art form, do it and do it with the intention that, ya Allah, you've given me this gift and I'm going to express it to give you thanks, to praise you, right? In whatever fashion that is, but set that intention. Now, maybe it isn't directly you say, Ya Allah, on the, the, in the song, Ya Allah, I thank you, right? If you do Alhamdulillah, right? Or maybe it's not in this painting, you draw Allah's name out, right? But whatever it is, you make that intention that, Ya Allah, this is for you. And to praise your name for giving me this talent and to collect your reward. Inshallah, khair, it comes from it. And many great things can happen and we can spread this dean to many, many people. Once again, I'd like to tell you, Dr. Joshua, thank you for coming on. You know, we had some technical difficulties in the beginning, ladies and gentlemen, but we got through that. Alhamdulillah. Dr. Joshua, before you get off, before you get off, this is one thing I ask of everybody. Hold on, let me see. 
Dr. Joshua, please, before you get off, what is one ayat, one hadith, or one sunnah of the Prophet wasallam that you would like to share with anybody, a favorite of yours? It doesn't have to be connected to now. It can be anything that you would like to share that me and you, inshallah, can collect ajr from for people practicing it if somebody picks it up. Dhikrallahu mm. Akbar. Uh, remembrance of Allah is the greatest thing. And and I think everything around you is for that purpose. And because without that, people are lost. And so if you get to a point where everything reminds you of God, from the wind that's blowing when you go outside, from your story that you go to the airport and you're just looking around at all the different types of people and thinking about how it was all created, whether you're uh, on your iPhone and all of a sudden just start thinking about like, man, if if somebody designed this, for sure somebody designed the universe. Like whatever it is, that whatever can remind you of Allah is going to be good for you. And uh, we just hope that we're in that percentage that that remembrance is something that we act upon, that uh, that remembrance is something that humbles us, uh, that remembrance is something that adjusts our behavior as you described earlier because if not then we we're in a different category uh, a dangerous category if we're reminded of god and, and it's in our head a god and we choose to ignore and we choose to reject then then we're in a a, a, a bad category so but without that remembrance you can get really lost in this life it, it has uh it has some things that will grab you eat you up and spit you out. If you talk to some people who have been in uh, rough situations in this life, there's a lot of evil on this earth, uh, whether it's from shaitan or whether it's from the, the, the evilness of our own souls. There's, there's a lot of evilness on this earth that can eat you up. And so the remembrance of Allah can, uh, can really protect you from that. And there's something uh, invisible and spiritual that I think surrounds you when you're, when you, are constantly thinking about Allah. It's not, it can be, subhanAllah, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, 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 it can be that type of dhikr, but it can also be just sitting and reflecting and looking at the leaves falling and thinking about how amazing that is and how grateful you are to be here with the grace of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I would, I would say just that short one of remembrance of Allah is the best thing that you can do. And so just keep remembering Allah. Alhamdulillah, brothers and sisters. Thank you for all listening. Please check out the Revive Package. Check out Muslim American Society today, a wonderful organization dedicated to helping the Muslim cause here in uh, the Western side of the world, but also the world as a whole. Um, check out uh, uh, masnational.org. I believe that's the website. I'm probably going to get in trouble for messing up the website. But hey, alhamdulillah. Y'all, thank you for listening. Y'all check out the next episode. Y'all comment below any other topics or guests y'all would like to see on the Remastered Podcast. Uh, it's your brother Abdullah Freeman here with the wonderful brother Dr. Joshua Salam. I'll see you guys later. Salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.